Welcome to the first episode about the truth of the Highway of Tears. I'm your host, Rachel McCaslin, and in today's episode, we will be talking about the truth of the Highway of Tears and the effect it put on other Canadian citizens. Since the 1970s, the Highway of Tears is a hotspot where Indigenous women have been murdered or disappeared. The Highway of Tears is located between Prince George and Prince Rupert, British Columbia. The highway is very isolated and would be very difficult to find human bodies. This highway is a very easy place to kidnap or abduct women of all ages. There are many cases unsolved of women between the ages of 14 and 83. The missing and murdered Indigenous women have been a very serious subject as speakers like Stephen Harper and our Prime Minister have talked about it. Here's what our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, has to say. Thank you for your words, your strength, uh, your fight, uh, your anger, your frustration, the uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls inquiry uh, is something that I have long believed in, long supported. Uh, It was never going to be easy, uh, and I have always been of the opinion that the families need to be at the heart of that process so that we can get healing for the families, justice for the victims, and put an end to this ongoing national tragedy, and it is something that I uh, rededicate uh, myself and this government to. Trudeau apologizes for the friends and family that have been affected by the missing and murdered Indigenous women on the Highway of Tears. Now all that's left to do is grieve and and support each other through this rough time. Trudeau explains that justice has to be made for the victims and put an end to this ongoing national tragedy. In 2011, Jamie Black created the Red Dress to support and bring more awareness to the missing and murdered Indigenous women. Because of this new foundation, she has hundreds of new donations for this cause. The Red Dress portrays a symbol of the missing and murdered Indigenous women by hanging empty red dresses in a range of environments. Not only does this spread more awareness and donations, but it has inspired other artists like singers, dancers, jars, and painters to spread the cause in a more artistic way to make people more interested in this cause. Here is Jamie herself explaining the Red Dress Project. The Dress Project is an installation art project to bring attention to missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. I've collected hundreds of red dresses and we display them empty in public spaces so people are um, confronted with with the violence, both the violence that women are experiencing but also um, the presence and power of, of Indigenous women. 
you know, people will come at the installation from different perspectives and different levels of knowledge. And some people have ex like directly experienced losing a loved one. Others um, come to the exhibition and the work um, without any prior knowledge of what's um, going on and what kind of violence is being faced um, or women are being faced by. Um, so it just really offers an opportunity for all groups of people to come together to start having a dialogue and a conversation and also for um, women and families and communities to have uh, a space for their voices to be heard and their stories to be told. I really want to just create a space for people to come together around um, what Indigenous women and girls are facing across the country and, and even worldwide. We're calling in the spirits of, of the women that are lost and like their energy and their power is, still, is here with us right now and it's, and it's here with me in doing this work and speaking out about, um, about the violence. And they're watching and, you know, and we're doing the work we're supposed to be doing. My name is Jamie Black and I'm a Métis visual artist. And I got into this work because it was really important to me to use my gifts as an artist to really uh, engage and create a platform for voices that are often silenced. If you are interested in finding more information about this project, please visit the Red Dress Project on Facebook or donate to lilredressproject.ca. The loss or disappearance of a loved one has caused a lot of trauma for their family and friends as they grieve through the pain. On October 4th, Connie Greyers organized a national walk to remember the losses of the murdered and Indigenous woman. Here's what some of the family members have to say about the walk and their experience of their loss and pain. Family, friends, allies, and elders gather for a nationally celebrated Sisters in Spirit Walk, organized locally by Connie Gray Eyes. This is a walk to remember murdered and missing Aboriginal women in our country, something Paige Wilde and her family have experienced firsthand. She was in Edmonton and she was hitchhiking back and Joe had told her to wait there but she said that she had met somebody and she had a ride and then she never showed back up at home. Paige speaks of her stepsister Renee Gunning who went to the West Edmonton Mall for a few days and never returned home to the Peace region. We don't know what happened. We just, she was just missing. 17-year-old Paige refers to Renee as her sister, but interestingly enough, the two have never met. Paige's mother, Pamela, became involved with Renee's father, Joe, after Renee vanished in 2006. However, Paige's life has been deeply changed because of Renee. When I heard about it, it affected me greatly because I see DeAndre grow up. He was only six, and I see him grow up every day without a mom. And he asks questions now because he's a bit older, and we don't have answers for him because we don't know who did this or we don't know what happened. There was one lead that led to nothing, and for years the family waited to hear anything about what had happened to 19-year-old Renee. And then finally, a break in 2011 led to a bittersweet phone call to Joe 
to tell him that partial remains of his beloved daughter were found in Grand Prairie. They found her skull and her backbone. They usually pronounced them dead after seven years and it was coming up upon that time and Joe was just preparing for it and that's when they had found her. The huge event is in Ottawa where Connie, Joe and DeAndre, along with other Peace Region locals, went to make their voices heard. Back home in Fort St. John, Connie asked Paige to read a nationally shared letter to the audience. To honor the lives of Aboriginal women. We went to the hill to demand justice for our women from Fort St. John. My nephews there and my niece are holding that banner. That's the number of women that are missing or murdered from Fort St. John. These names are Pamela, Cynthia, Ramona, Joyce, Florence, Annie, Stacy, Renee, Sandra, Nora, Mona, Shirley, and Molly, who, like Paige's sister, Joe's daughter, and DeAndre's mother, will always be remembered as the innocent women they were. She was an amazing person. She was always everybody. She always made everybody laugh and smile, and she was always fun and outgoing. And she was just, she was great. She always had a smile. These are just a couple ways that the friends and families have been able to use their voices to spread awareness to the missing and murdered Indigenous women. Sadly, most of their passings have been taken place at the Highway of Tears. Those are just a couple ways that the friends and families have been able to use their voices to spread awareness to the missing and murdered Indigenous women. Sadly, most of the murders have been taken place on the Highway of Tears. The Highway of Tears is a hotspot for missing and murdered Indigenous women and should have more awareness about what goes on on that highway. The Highway of Tears is a place of misery, loss and sadness and has its reputation of being a place of murder for Indigenous women. Hopefully by using our voices, we can put justice for the victims who lost their lives. Thank you for watching the first episode of The Truth of the Highway of Tears I am your host, Rachel McCaslin, brought to you by CBC News.